Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. And I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seton Motley is the founding president of Less Government. And then the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is December the 14th, and on this day in 1911, Norwegian Raoul Edmondson became the first explorer to reach the South Pole, beating his British rival, Robert Falcon Scott. Edmondson, born in Oslo in 1872, was one of the great figures in the polar exploration. In 1897, he was the first mate on a Belgian expedition that was the first ever it to winter in Antarctica. In 1903, he guided a 47-ton sloop, through the Northwest Passage and around the Canadian coast, the first navigator to accomplish this treacherous journey. Evans had planned to be the first man to the North Pole, and he was about to embark in 1909 when he learned that American Robert Perry had achieved the feat already. Edmondson completed his preparations in uh, June 1910 and sailed into uh, instead to Antarctica, where the English explorer Robert F. Scott was also headed with the aim of reaching the South Pole. In early 1911, Edmonton sailed his ship into Antarctica's Bay of Wales and set a base around 60 miles closer to the pole than Scott. In October, both explorers set off, Edmonton using sleigh dogs and Scott employing Siberian motor sledges, uh, Siberian ponies and dogs. On December the 14th, 1911, Edmonton's exploration won the race to the pole and returned safely to base camp in late January. Scott's expedition was less fortunate. The motor sleds broke down. The ponies had to be shot. The dogs' teams were uh, sent back uh, as Scott and four companions continued on on foot. On January 18, 1912, they reached the pole, only to find that Edmondson had preceded them over by over a month. Weather on the journey return was exceptionally bad. Two members perished in the storms later uh, trapped Scott and other two survivors in the tent only 11 miles from the base camp. Uh, Scott's body was found frozen later that year. What a way to die, huh? I understand it's kind of like just going to sleep. In any event, uh, after his historic Antarctic journey, uh, Edmondson established a successful shipping business. He later made attempts to become the first explorer to fly over the North Pole. In 1925, in an airplane, he flew within 150 miles of the goal. In 1926, he passed over the North Pole in a dirigible, just three days after American explorer Richard E. Byrd had apparently done so in an aircraft. In 1996, a diary that Byrd had kept on the flight was found that seemed to suggest that he had turned back 150 miles short of his goal because of an oil leak making Edmondson's dirigible expedition the first flight over the North Pole. In 1928, Edmondson lost his life while trying to rescue a fellow explorer whose dirigible had crashed at sea near Spitsbergen, Norway. What a life he lived, lived huh? I can't imagine wanting to be the first to go to the North or South Pole. But nevertheless, uh, his accomplishments were uh, very important. Well, U.S. stocks uh, closed higher by almost 1.5% yesterday. The Dow Jones closed above 37,000 for the first time ever as Federal Reserve leaves interest rates unchanged, signaling rate cuts in 2024. The Federal Open Market Committee, comprised federal officials uh, overseeing monetary policy, decided to keep the base interest rate around the 525 to 5.5% after concluding its meeting uh, the last of the year. The decision follows the central bank's previous rate hike to this level in July, and the rates have uh, remained unchanged through three consecutive meetings. The Fed also signaled it could cut interest rates three times next year. That just sent the markets into a frenzy. Uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average itself was up over 500 points. We like that. Well, inflation increased uh, ex living expenses are comp compelling a growing number of retired Americans to re-enter the workforce. 
the resume uh, builder survey revealed that 12% of respondents expressed plans to return to work in the coming year, with 61% attributing their decision to the escalating costs of living. Additionally, 34% cited inadequate retirement preparation, while another 34% mentioned the need for income to address debts. For some, a return to work is driven by a desire to stay active and engaged. A study by the Senior Citizens League highlighted that although inflation is uh, showing signs of moderation, rising costs have diminished the purchasing power of Social Security earnings by 36%. According to the study, retirees who left the workforce before 2000 would need an extra $516 per month or $6,200 a year to ma- maintain the buying power they had in 2000. So it's, this is really rough on people, especially on the low end of the uh, income scale or those that have uh, fewer savings in terms of uh, retirement. Uh, it's not not contributing to uh, Bidenomics. It's not contributing to Biden's uh, re-election prospects. Let's hope. The GOP-led House passed an impeachment inquiry resolution against President Biden Wednesday on the House floor. The final vote, vote was 221 to 212. Uh, House Republican leaders have said the Biden administration and Hunter Biden himself are refusing to cooperate with their investigation into the bad Biden's family foreign business dealings. This vote will allow the House Judiciary Oversight and Ways and Means Committees to continue their investigations. The evidence mounting against the president cannot be ignored, House Majority Whip Tom Emmer said on Wednesday. We know Joe Biden has lied or misled the American people about his knowledge of his son's business dealings over and over again, and it's very likely he was involved in uh, and benefited from his family's corrupt business dealings as well. So uh, the impeachment inquiry is on. Well, President Biden responded. He said uh, on Wednesday, he ripped the House Republicans for formalizing the impeachment inquiry against him, bemoaning that GOP lawmakers are wasting time on baseless political stunt rather than focusing on what matters to most Americans. <laughs> Here's a quote. It makes me laugh. I wake up every morning focused on the issues facing the American people, real issues that impact their lives and the strength and security of our country and around the world. Unfortunately, House Republicans are not joining me, Biden said in a lengthy statement issued minutes after the House decided to uh, vote along party lines. What a lie that is. It's just unbelievable. I, you know, I, I, I take a look at what his accomplishments are, <clears throat> and I just don't understand how he factors in what's best for the American people. None of his decisions seem to support uh, the, the American people and their well-being, including the border... <laughs> You name it, uh, just go down the list, all this climate change nonsense, it's hurting our economy and it's hurting the people as well as the security of the United States uh, in the world. President Joe Biden's son, Hunter, rebuked Republican uh, investigators and demanded to testify publicly Wednesday, the same day that the GOP-led investigation had given the president's son a deadline to appear for a closed-door deposition. For six years, I've been the target of the unrelenting uh, Trump attack machine, shouting, where's Hunter? Well, here is my answer. I'm here, Hunter told the reporters outside the Capitol. Hunter Biden's lawyers have told the House Republicans on the Oversight and Judiciary Committees that he's willing to testify uh, by the December the 13th deadline, but only if he can do so publicly. House Republicans are insisting they want to talk to him behind closed doors, so he's going to be uh, indicted for sure. He showed up. Uh, he showed up on the Senate side of the Capitol. Uh, he spoke for nine minutes. He didn't take questions from reporters. He claimed his innocence. He claimed he was a victim. Uh, you just take a look at the things that this guy's done. He's just unbelievable. Uh, I don't know if uh, <clears throat> whether lying is uh, contagious or whether it's passed down from generation to generation, but he certainly mastered some of the squil- skills he's learned from his dad. <clears throat> House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer and Judiciary Committee uh, Chairman Jim Jordan initiated contempt of Congress proceedings against Hunter Biden after the president's son failed to appear for a subpoenaed closed-door deposition. If prosecuted and convicted of uh, by Congress, Hunter uh, Biden's punishment could be up to a hundred thousand dollar fine and imprisonment. 
A deposition is a standard procedure used by congressional investigators. Democrats use depositions in their investigations regularly, including Adam Schiff's impeachment inquiry and the partisan January 6th committee. House Oversight Committee ranking member Jamie Raskin emphasized the importance of standard closed doors depositions. We will not provide special treatment because his last name is Biden, Comer and Jordan wrote. As our committees were uh, today prepared to depose Hunter Biden, he chose to make a public statement on Capitol Hill instead, where he said his father, Joe Biden, was not financially involved in his family's business dealings. Why all the checks back and forth and all these shell companies then? Unbelievable. Exactly how was Joe Biden involved, they questioned. Evidence shows that Joe Biden met with Hunter Biden's uh, business associates, and his name was on the center of the family business strategy. Today, the House will vote on the impeachment inquiry resolution to strengthen our legal case in the courts as we face obstruction from the White House witnesses, the Republicans wrote. Today, obstruction by Hunter Biden reinforces the need for a formal vote. House investigators opened the probe into the Biden family in November of 2022. They revealed Joe Biden received money from James Biden and Hunter Biden. They also showed that nine additional Biden family members received payments from the foreign business ventures, including two of the president's grandchildren. And you got to remember, this is millions of dollars. Her figures anywhere from 15 to $30 million. They're involved in this uh, shakedown of the globe. Well, Pfizer's shares are plunging downward to their worst performance in over a decade after the pharmaceutical giant put on a stark warning about its projected revenue as hysteria over the COVID-19 outbreak continues to wane. Recent financial results and projections alike have not fared well for Pfizer. Shares dropped 8% on Thursday morning, and the company has lost $140 billion in market cap this year alone. Pfizer projects that revenue could fall next year and has put out a 2024 guidance that is below an analyst's expectations, according to a new report by the Wall Street Journal. These are just rewards for what Pfizer's done. Uh, they claim that the uh, the uh, how, how strong and uh, viable this uh uh, vaccine was, and it wasn't. It was just, uh, it's proven to be uh, uh, perhaps pro- providing more harm than good as we, of course, we're going to take years to figure this out. But as people uh, continue getting COVID uh, and the people that are most susceptible are now apparently the uh, people who took the vaccine. So there's so many downsides to the vaccine and uh, people are making a good decision to ignore uh, further uh, vaccinations. <clears throat> Well, yesterday, Ted Lonesis, owner of the NBA Wizards and NHL Capitals, uh, announced a deal to move both teams from downtown Washington, D.C. across state lines to Alexandria, Virginia. No documents have signed, though, but the move is a huge win for Virginia, the most populous state without having any big league sports teams, where the two teams could play at the heart of a proposed $2 billion, 12-acre entertainment complex as soon as 2028. But it's a big bummer for the national nation's capital. Uh, all this defund the police and all the things that are happening there. Well, it's not proven to be a good place and a safe place to go to a game for. Now, D.C. Mayor Amiro Bowser, who made a last-minute offer to Leonsis on Tuesday night to keep the team in town, faces the potential loss of two major franchises, fan bases, and a sports hub in the city's downtown Chinatown area. Well, quite frankly, she had it coming. She needs to provide better leadership and more safety to the people in Washington, D.C. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be uh, visiting with Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harton show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder and CEO of a terrific organization. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Uh, Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Sure. Uh, Well, we're a a coalition now of well over 260,000 people here in uh, Florida. Uh, two thirds of them are parents with kids 17 or under in the in the home. We focus on K through 12 education, and to us that means sort of f- fighting to to improve the quality of our government schools. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, also helping parents understand understand there are other opportunities, alternatives that may be better for their families. So, uh, you know, we focus on things like uh, promoting sc- uh, school choice for parents, parental rights and really focused on trying to get the indoctrination out of our government schools. Yeah, and of course the uh, Florida public schools are ranked number one in the nation, if I'm not mistaken, uh, by several authorities. And uh, quite frankly, I think it has a lot to do with the good work of the Florida Citizens Alliance and what you've accomplished over the last decade. So, Keith, this is, I think, the end of the last of the uh, seven weeks of committee weeks uh, leading up to the legislative session coming up in January. I wonder how your... uh, uh, agenda is looking right now. Well, it's been a it's been a challenging session. Uh, as you mentioned, this is uh, today is actually the last day of the the seven committee weeks. Uh, session starts on January 9th. Uh, we have a team um, that has evaluated well over forty bills so far. Um, so far, there's uh, there's going to be at least three that we strongly support. Uh, there's a number of others that we'll follow and support uh, in, in various degrees. Uh, there's a half dozen bills we're going to be opposing. Um, they, the, the big ones, actually, uh, you'll appreciate this because I know you have the Senate president on your show from time to time. Uh, there are three monster bills that came out of the Senate uh, that focuses on um, education. Um, the intent is, is pretty good, but the content of at least two of those bills is uh, something we're working very hard to improve, mm-hmm. uh, and if not, we'll end up opposing them. So, um, but um, 
you know, we, there's still a, uh, a couple weeks for bills to be filed. The, the last day for bills to be filed is the first day of session, which is January 9th. Um, as I mentioned, there will be three at least three bills that we'll be strongly supporting. One has to do with uh, expanding the ability for local community communities to do charter schools. Um, our and we talked about it on your show, but our bill called uh, that'll uh, change the Miller test, uh, which will protect kids from um, books that have pornographic material, even if they have some kind of literary award. Um, with that bill should be filed this week. And uh, and then uh, I know you had uh, uh, Kevin Friedman on your show. Uh, his bills uh, or, or his effort has now been filed in two bills uh, in each of the the, the, the House and Senate. Uh, they would establish a gold and silver depository and allow you and I as individuals to put gold and silver into that and then spend it fractionally. So it's an amazing uh, approach. So those are some of the things that are on the docket. I'm sure there will be others in the next couple of weeks, um, but that's where we are. Yeah, Jeff, Ke uh, Kevin uh, Freeman's book is called Pirate Money. I'll reference that for our listeners' benefit because it really does create a uh, state alternative to federal currency and uh, the way exchanges are being done. And there's a lot to that, and I just encourage you to look into it. Keith, uh, you've got a big gala coming up on March the 13th. I looked at the content. It looks just terrific. And you're partnering with uh, Alfie Oaks. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, no, it really is exciting. Uh, we have uh, Dinesh D'Souza. Uh, and uh, some people may not recognize immediately the uh, the other keynote speaker, but many of the families will. Uh, his name is Kanye Boyack, and he's the founder of the Tuttle Twins. Uh, so we're excited to have both of them. Uh, that'll be on the 13th. But you mentioned Alfie. Um, uh, our, the price of our tickets, is, because of the where we're holding it, is uh, $550, which is a, 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 a relatively high price. But when you think about uh, what we're trying to accomplish, we think it's uh, it's doable. But Alfie has joined us, and anybody who buys one of our tickets gets a hundred dollar gift certificate to to uh, seat the table. So wow! Um, so if you haven't been to seat the table, it's the happiest place in Collier County. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's just a terrific, terrific place. It's a great venue for delicious, wonderful food that Alfie provides to uh, to his buyers. So. Uh, it's a great deal. I mean, you know, you pay 550 Now, the reason why it's so expensive, you're doing this at the Ritz down on the beach, right? Right. And, and we do that because, uh, we, you know, we're re really trying to, to, uh, to raise money to do what we do. And, uh, you know, uh, we've just, ex we've determined that if we don't do that at a place like the Ritz, then we're not really attracting the, the, the wealth, if you will, to be able to support what we do. So, it's a mixed bag, but we uh, we we've got donors who are are going to be uh, um, actually funding uh, students to come. Uh, uh, last year we had uh, two different donors who who, fu who funded veterans who couldn't afford to come otherwise. So we do what we can to make make sure we get uh, make it available to as many people uh, with different economic backgrounds as possible. But at the end of the day, our objective is to raise money so we can continue to do what we do. Absolutely. And I will say that uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance is, that watches every farthing coming into the till. Uh, no, uh, Keith, nor the other co-founder of uh, uh, Pastor Rick Stevens uh, don't take incomes for this. They don't, you know, they actually do this thing on their own dime back and forth to ha Tallahassee. So, and look at the results they've got in the last decade. It's just been absolutely fabulous. So, I encourage you to take a look at the website, goflca.org. Goflca.org. And purchase a ticket or two for the, uh, for the coming gala in, in March. It's going to be terrific. Uh, did I get all the details, uh, Keith? Keith? No, I think that's uh, the, the primary thing. We are we are working on a, a minor event uh, in February that we'll uh, we still got to solidify, but uh, uh, we have a, an agreement to bring uh, uh, um, Kevin Friedman in. Wow! Uh, to Southwest Florida on um, actually it's on Saturday, February tenth, but we're still working on the details. Sounds good, Keith. Just generally appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Yep. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. 
Hartman Show, here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets to some great upcoming performances at the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. He's director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be back, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We want you to be able to live your life however you want, so long as you respect the equal rights of others. And we try to confine government to its legitimate role in society, which is protecting that right of yours to live however you want, so long as you respect the equal rights of others, and not violating that principle itself by going beyond that role to, uh, to violate your rights uh, by making choices about your life for you. You know, I just uh, that sounds so appealing to me. I don't know why we continue to put people in public office that violate the principles that you just uh, stated because they're so attractive. You know, you had me in office. I thought if you'd stop there, that would have been beautiful. Why do we keep putting them there? Why do we... What, why, why vote? It only encourages them. <laughs> you know, we need a we need a government, but we need a a, a, a not just a constitution that confines <clears throat> the government to the role I described, but we also need an electorate that dedicate their themselves to those principles as well. And that's what we try to do uh, at Cato. We try to bring that perspective to the debate uh, so that uh, more people hold their elected officials accountable to those principles. Yeah, absolutely. The website is cato.org, C-A-T-O.org. I hope you'll check out the website. By the way, uh, Michael is also the author of a terrific new book. It's called Recovery, and it's about the health care and the government and, uh, and you, quite frankly. And Michael, I understand there's this new study out on the cost of health care now. Every year the U.S. government releases new figures on how much the American people and the uh, and the, the U.S. government, state government, uh, employers spend on health care. Hmm. And uh, they just released the data for last year, 2022, and it turns out that, uh, that health care spending continued to grow in the United States. It reached a record of 
$1.5 trillion, mm. which is uh, a non-record uh, 17.5% of GDP. Now, uh, how is it that uh, the reason that's not a record share of GDP is because we have been spending that share of GDP in the United States on uh, health care for some number of years. Mm-hmm. It had been surging uh, for a while uh, and then sort of leveled off at about a sixth of the economy, about 17.5%. But then during COVID, it jumped up even more. So it reached about 19% during COVID because mm. of all of the, quote, emergency spending that the federal government and state governments were doing uh, during COVID. And it has now fallen back down to that 17.5% share. Now, you might think, okay, that's good. We had been spending uh, too much money on uh, health care to begin with. And uh, all that COVID spending is now gone, or at least at least G- GDP, it is, it is, enough of it has gone away, and GDP has grown enough that uh, we're back at the same share of, uh, of health spending being the same share of GDP. But there's still a problem here. The, the problem is that state and federal governments are still violating your right to choose how much, uh, whether and uh, how much money and how to spend your money on health care, encouraging people to purchase more health insurance and medical care than they would uh, for themselves, and also taxing you and taking that money and spending it on uh, inefficient and often harmful uh, government programs that heavily subsidize health care. And that is how we get to that 17.5% of GDP, which is way out of line with all other advanced nations. Now, I'm not one who says we should do what other nations do, but it is remarkable that other in other nations you might get 12 13% of GDP. At, at, which is, that would be the closest nation to ours in health spending. Uh, but uh, many others are down at 10% or below. Uh, and, mm. and, if you, and a lot of people will just say we spend that much more money without getting better health outcomes, and there's some problems with that, uh, uh, with that claim. But one thing that doesn't, the reason we have, we're so out of line with other advanced nations, and this is something that the government does not put in the data that they release every year on spending in the United States, is that we spend 17.5% of GDP on health care because the government requires us right. to spend that much <clears throat> on health care. The OECD does measure how much of a nation's health spending is compulsory, where the government requires people to spend their money on health care. And the OECD finds that the United States is among the top nations in terms of compulsory health spending as a share of GDP. Uh, it absolutely We're, makes sense. It, in my book, Recovery, <clears throat> I present data that show that in the United States, about 83% of health spending is compulsory. And wow. that is the, that make, puts us number eight uh, put uh, was this at number eight among OECD nations on that measure, and we're just a couple percentage points behind number one. There's not much difference between us and the Czech Republic or Norway, whoever it is this year, uh, who's at eighty five percent. We're at about eighty three. They're at eighty uh, or eighty two. They're at eighty five. Wow. And that uh, we so we are still well above the OECD average. We're above nations with explicitly socialized health systems like. Canada and the United Kingdom in terms of how much the government controls uh, health spending here. Uh, and, and if you look at health spending, compulsory health spending is a share of GDP. Uh, you'll find that uh, not only does that, uh, that, is that the main reason, 83% of our health spending is compulsory. Wow. And 17.5% <clears throat> of our uh, GDP is health spending. We have a, uh, we have a larger share of GDP that goes to compulsory health spending than other nations. In fact, in the United States, compulsory health spending takes up a larger share of GDP than total health spending in every other nation. Wow. So if anyone ever says or asks a question, why does the United States spend so much money on health care? It's because government requires us to spend that much money on health care. And those, that is a, a 
Well, I think it speaks volumes about what's going on right now. And, of course, we're seeing the escalating costs and uh, fewer choices, I might add, <clears throat> for how we spend our money in healthcare. It's, it's less individualized, of course, because government has its own requirements. And, Michael, I'll point out that in the last couple of years, we've actually seen a decrease in life expectancy in the United States. Uh, that, that has occurred. Uh, and you're right about the, reduce, the government reducing choices. And one of the pernicious things about the way the government controls our health spending and our health decisions is that a lot of it doesn't even look like it's the government's doing. Yeah. If the government imposes, you know, taxes us to create uh, the Medicare program, the Medicaid program, other health programs, fairly obvious that the, that it's the government running the show, and we know who to blame for those outcomes. When the government creates a, a, a tax preference for employer-sponsored health insurance yeah. that effectively penalizes you if you want to take your $24,000 of your earnings and go out and spend, spend that on a health insurance plan of your choice, if the government penalizes you for doing that, uh, it effectively compels you to let your employer have that $24,000 which is the average cost of an employer-sponsored family plan, wow. uh, and and your, let your employer make your health decisions, uh, your health insurance decisions, which then uh, shape a lot of your medical decisions. And when things go, then when things go wrong, it doesn't look like it's the government's doing. After all, it was your private sector employer who uh, purchased this private insurance plan, and the the uh, the the gatekeepers at this private insurance company. Are uh, are telling you no, you can't have the treatment that you want, or this hospital is not in network. And so, a lot of people they'll blame not just that private insurance company; they'll blame the private sector, they'll blame free markets. When really, the government has totally taken away your right to make these decisions yourself, which has totally distorted the market, the private sector, right. in the, the direction of what's good, not for you but for employers, because they're the ones who are controlling the money. And for gov uh, the government as well. Michael Candid, the itself, so. these are such important statistics that you're giving us right now. Just think about that. 18% of GDP uh, going to health care. It doesn't have to be that way. It could be a much smaller number. And with better results and outcomes, quite frankly, uh, again, I encourage you to read Michael's book, again, Recovery by Michael Cannon. Mike, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always great to be here. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Modley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now 
now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. I want to remind you that uh, Wednesdays through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center is serving dinner, and the menu is just terrific. they got comfort food, they have seafood, just wonderful choices, and it's inexpensive, great value. Again, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you very much, sir. How are you? Uh, I'm great, thank you. And I hope you are, Seton. Loving it. Thank you, yes. Well, I'll it's, point out that Seton... Good to be out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> Seton is living in Belize, and I just uh, I have to admit I have a certain degree of envy going on about this. Uh, the name of your organization is Less Government, Seton. Uh, do you experience less government in Belize? It contributes mightily to my happiness down here. Yes, the government is corrupt. It's a federal government, and it's tiny. Our, the U.S. government is ju- federal government is giant and corrupt. Yeah. Then you've got 50 state governments that are corrupt, and and some are quite large. Then you have 2,000 county governments, which is where some of the worst corruption and over-efficiousness occurs, yeah. as I experienced in Collier County building my house. Yeah. Um, then there's 5,000 or so city governments, and they all have their hands in your pocket, and they're all blocking you from living your life and building building your existence. The federal, there's no other government in Belize except the federal government. That's it. Yeah. and it's On a day-to-day basis, you don't encounter them at all. Plus, really quickly, their corruption, there's an honesty to their dishonesty. It's transactional. When I built my Collier County house, I had to be, deal with the corruption of the entire county government. The plumbers go to the county and go, mandate all these stupid plumbing things that make no building sense and will bribe you. The electricians go and say, mandate all these electrical things that we have to install and we'll bribe you. Then the, all the tradesmen go and do that. So you waste $100,000 on a $500,000 bill or $300,000 bill for stupid stuff that makes no sense. Here, I talked to my, I, I built an apartment below my house and I talked to my contractor. He goes, yeah, I know whenever my guy in the government needs money because my permits stop getting approved, I go in, I give him 200 Belize, and I all my permits get approved. <laughs> it's simple, now, isn't which it? Is, which is the better corruption scenario? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it is corrupt, and it shouldn't be. I mean, the corruption is not good at, in any case. But you know what? It's, it's, it's more simple. It's certainly understandable. It's transparent. And what I mean and it's is, it's a whole lot cheaper. Yeah, it's a whole lot. Two hundred Belize is a hundred bucks versus a hundred thousand. Well, you know what's happening here in the United States is we're seeing so many regulations being attacking the American pocketbook, and everything from the Green New Deal to regulations on oil and gas, and you know, and it hurts the American consumer. It's it's not transparent. You don't really understand why it's happening, but it's it's right. amount, it's amounting to more than fourteen thousand dollars per household. These regulations in Maine, and I don't want to just. T- I, I don't want to pick on Collier County. I've got a really quick, funny story in Texas. I bought a house in the hill country, which is basically desert. It's semi-arid desert, right? Mm-hmm. And my house was in a, in a, a little subdivision that's called Cypress Grove. Now, remember, there's hundreds of miles of nothing yeah. in, 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 in the middle of Texas, between Austin and San Antonio. And they were most of my, my – I was in Cypress Cove is what it was called. And most of the lots were literally one-tenth of an acre, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, they don't have water there. It's a desert. There's wells under the ground. Mm-hmm. So it, in the interest, okay, I had my house had five lots that were combined together. So I had, I had a relatively, you know, I had a ranch com- where, we, where I am compared to everybody. I mean, I was five times larger 
than the average lot. Almost eight-tenths of an acre, almost an acre. And it was combined for tax purposes in, like, April of 2000, okay? Well, I wasn't using two of the lots, so I had the notion to break off, you know, re-separate the the southern two lots and build another house Mm -hmm. and sell that, right? And it'd still be bigger, there'd still be two yards that were bigger than any other yard on my street. The government said... We set an arbitrary date of January 1st, 2000. If you combine your lots afterwards, you can't separate them again. <laughs> and, I, and I said, I said, why? Uh-huh. I mean, even if I didn't build the house, I could have separated the lot and sold it. Right. You know, separate from the house. I said, why? They said, well, we're worried about the water supply. We don't want to put too many houses. I said, every other house that's new, you, under, you understand. There were seven houses being built on my half mile road when, when I bought mine. Yeah, mine was mine is a 1974 house. I just sold it, but anyway, it was an old house. They're building new houses. People are flooding into that area because of San Antonio and Austin, right? So they're building all these new houses, always septic, on one tenth of an acre. I wanted to add one additional house to the mix. They said, "No, you can't break it off and build a second house." I said, "Okay, wait a minute. What if I kept the lots together?" build the exact same house with the exact same septic system. Oh, you could do that. You're kidding. No. <laughs> I could build the exact same house with the exact same septic and take exactly as much water as, as I would have breaking the lot off. I just couldn't break the lot off. And again, allegedly conservative Texas, allegedly con- very conservative Comal County. Yeah. And this is what you're dealing with all the time. Here in Belize, I asked my contractor, I'm, I'm, I'm about to build two small houses. I said, do they ever say no? He said, they almost never say no. They just take six weeks to say yes. And then you never deal with the government again on the build. You're done. Yeah. I think all of us are feeling a degree of envy right now. How's the weather down there, it's, by it's, the way, at this time of year? Oh well, it's the winter, so it's absolutely spectacular. Now we're, we've had a we've had a you know a spot of rain the last several days, but it's 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 it was seventy four yesterday. It gets up to seventy eight in the winter, maybe eighty, uh, maybe eighty two. But it's nice and cool, and it's very very pleasant. It's it's spectacular right now. How safety and crime? Okay, I, I, the best example I can come up with. Uh, well, there's several. You know Maryland or Illinois, right? Sure. Chicago's terrible, but then you drive an hour outside the city and you've got hours of perfectly great situation, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Baltimore is terrible. You're from the D.C. area. Baltimore is terrible. I lived on the western shore of the Chesapeake. It was great. You know, no crime. It was fine. Right. That's the way it is in Belize. Belize City, pretty bad. Outside of there, I've lived in my house for a year. I don't even know where my house keys are. Really? That's just... I haven't locked... I, I leave... I, I drove an hour and a half each way to the Capitol yesterday. All the windows were open. The doors were open because the weather's beautiful. And I just left it open. I, nothing ever happens. That's beautiful. Seat Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit the very robust website, lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Uh, definitely an aspiration for all of us here in the United States. Really appreciate <laughs> really appreciate your commentary on the show, Seat. Thanks so much for joining us. Real quick, I feel like the reverse Paul Revere. The U.S. is going. The U.S. is going. Um, <laughs> Anyway, thanks. All right, thank you, Seton. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Uh, we help prepare elected officials to serve in their offices once they're in there and after elected. You can find out more and visit the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, Bob, it's my pleasure, uh, as always, on this uh, funny-looking Thursday out there. Um, I don't know. They said we're supposed to get 40-mile-an-hour gusts of winds but uh, in the next couple of days because of El Nino, but who knows, you know? Yeah, well, it has been a little gray for the last couple of days, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's so yeah. interesting. Um, but it doesn't keep you off the golf course. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I went okay. over there. <laughs> went over there last week. It was pretty darn cold. So, so uh, Bill, uh, any good scoop in uh, in the city of Naples? Well, yeah, uh, you know, city uh, city council member Beth Petrinoff, uh is resigning um, as of the twentieth uh, of December. Um, is, is my understanding, and uh, from what I read, um, and she. Um, She's resigning. Um, well, the main reason she gave, Bob, there's a form that um, most elected officials, not on, the, not on the local level, but on the state level, the county level, whatever, there's a form that has to be filled out. It's not anything new, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's very, um, I guess, revealing would be a word. I mean, you have to list a lot of things, your personal finances and um <laughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And um, she decided that one of the main reasons she gave was she didn't feel that it was uh, um, it was anybody's business of what her um, assets were, etc. And uh, she listed um, she listed a whole bunch of people. She says you could look up anybody uh, by just going to this site and pull up the, the form and. She felt like she didn't want to do that, and so uh, it was due in by, I guess it was due in by January, um, and she just decided she wanted out. Now, I'm personally, I, I don't know. Um, uh, she, she had already announced that she was not going to run again next year in, in two years, and um, she did that a while ago. So I my, my personal feeling, Bob, is, is that, you know, they were desperate to find someone to run for council um, when it was uh, that the last election. And um, she turned out to be a good candidate for those that, that, that elected her and, and um, uh, put her on the campaign trail. And um, I'm not so sure that, that she loved what she was doing. Yeah, that's, um, it sounds that way, Bill. One thing, I'm, not, I'm perhaps a misunderstanding. Apparently, I think you said that, that uh, uh, local offices... Uh, don't have to fill out this form, and yet she was required to. What? Well, no, no. Now they do. They passed the. Uh, they they passed a new law that now, um, as of this coming, as of twenty twenty four, local municipalities will have to fill out the same form. Ah. So that that 
Sorry if I didn't. No, no, that's that. that's fine. Well, thanks for clarifying. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so, uh, what are we gonna? Are they? Is she okay. gonna have a new election in March, or what's no. gonna happen? No. Well, they they're gonna discuss it um, at the meeting. I think on on, on the eighteenth. Uh, um, but the uh, the the law or the uh, the rules say that within a year you don't you don't have to. And hers is. Um, it's definitely was not. It's definitely shorter than that. It's only a couple of months. So um, they most likely will not do anything. I'd be very surprised if they tried to find someone to uh, to to uh, replace her. Mm-hmm. Now, for um, uh, I mean, you know, in time for this election, but yeah. um, I think that that obviously if she's going to be a. I mean, there's an open seat for this election, and so yeah, they'll fill that spot for sure. But until the election, they won't they won't appoint anybody. Is what I'm saying. I understand. So, in other words, there'll be a special election, probably held in within a year or two. To, to no, no, they they'll they'll just there's an empty there's one more empty seat for the coming uh, upcoming city election in uh, March, um, mm. because she has given up her seat. So there's one more city council seat up for grabs. That is such such an interesting story, and she just didn't want to reveal or disclose information uh, probably just because they, she felt it wasn't anybody's business well that's what it that's basically what she said there was a there was a a very long list of uh, items that she put down and she said don't panic because there it'll probably take decades to do some of the things that i see that 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 you know we should do here and everything else it was um i think it was well done um and um uh you know as i say so now we have um, now we've got the mayor's seat and um, and you've, you've you've got you've got the mayor's seat up for grab. Um, you've got Ted Blankenship's seat up for grab. Um, you have um, because he's running for mayor. Uh, no, well, for mayor you have Ted Blankenship. He gave up a council seat to run for mayor. You right. have you have Teresa Heitman who's going to rerun for for mayor. Um, you have Paul Perry, who is not running um, for council. Um, and as I say, so you got Blankenship's seat, you got um, Perry's seat, you have um, uh, Petronov's seat. Uh, so, I mean, uh, and the mayor's seat. So, I mean, uh, uh, there's going to be lots of candidates and lots of things going on. So, how, how, but, how much um, of this do you think is, has to do with how frustrating it must be to sit through these long, laborious meetings? <laughs> I think it's got a, probably a lot. Anybody that watches, you know, just says, I don't know. I don't, I don't, you know, I just can't do this. Well, well, Paul, you know, Paul Perry, I think was, was an excellent council member. And, um, but he, he had an illness and, um, he recovered and I just think he'd had enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that probably was one of the key issues of sitting around in a meeting for, you know, Nine, ten, eleven hours. Uh, I'll be curious to see how they finish off on next Wednesday. They said, uh, you know, that it's going to be a short. They want to get everybody out for the Christmas holidays, etc. We'll see, Bob. We'll come back after the new year and see how long that meeting. Well, so, well, what's I'll what's the over under here on uh, the meeting being less than five hours? Oh, that oh, that's <laughs> a lot. The meeting will be over. Will be over. Will be long over five hours. They can't do that in yeah. five hours. No, no way. No way. Uh, Bill Barton. Um, yeah, it's just going to get more interesting in January and February for sure. We'll have lots of local um, uh, politics and more people coming into the uh, into the fray, and uh, it'll be interesting to see. Well, Bill, I just genuinely appreciate you keeping us up to date on what's happening here locally. Again, Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples and maybe the greatest mayor that ever. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Bob. You have a great day. Okay. You as well. Thank you so much, Bill. All right, well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some uh, great guests lined up for tomorrow, including uh, Dr. Zudi Jasser, who is the founder and president of the um, American, Islamic American uh, American Islamic uh, uh, Forum for Democracy. He's a great man, and he was a former admiral in the Navy. He's a medical doctor, and he's running for Congress. So uh, looking forward to having him. He's from uh, Arizona. William Yateman is the uh, 
senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston. So we have some great guests, have some great information. I really appreciate your listening to the show. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs> <laughs>